0: Welcome to the Growing Home Podcast,
1: where we hope to inspire you to lead a life of
0: slow living, nourishing food, family culture, homemaking, and homesteading. This is where we cultivate new skills and fortify our joy alongside you. Welcome back to the Growing Home Podcast.
1: Hey, everyone. We're back again.
0: <laughs> this week. we're talking all things preconception. Mm.
1: yeah, it's so exciting. i I feel like we've been kind of putting this one off a little bit because we wanted to talk about it. but we're like, are we ready? Are we ready? And I feel that way. Evan feels that way, But I think we we decided to say it's just going to be an ongoing topic as it's as it is an ongoing topic in our lives, you know. And it won't be the first or last time we talk about it. I'm sure this is going to be a two-part episode. So, you know, part one today you're hearing, and then next Tuesday you'll hear part two. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was thinking today as I was writing the very few notes that I wrote that it's, I think it's kind of cool that we have very, like, we have different, really different perspectives and are in different stages on this topic you know you were saying Evan like do people even want to you know hear what I have to say on it and I think your perspective is really important because I think a lot of times you hear you know people that have been through it talking about it and I think but I think getting sort of the before uh and and people will be able to hear your whole you know trajectory like all you know this this before even trying to conceive and then around when you're trying to conceive and then your pregnancy and then your postpartum like it's it'll be cool for people to hear your whole first experience and how you know how you setting yourself up in certain ways helped and how your you know opinions change or don't change mm-hmm. and all these things and so so yeah we kind of I have had two babies, so I and I have I've had two different conception experiences. I had a surprise sort of first pregnancy, which I can talk a little bit about, and um and then I had a very like textbook conscious conception where I like knew the sorry family, but like the actual you know time that we conceived her <laughs> down to like the day. Family. You know? <laughs> sorry family.
0: You know what you do. Um,
1: uh, so, so yeah, I think we, we bring, uh, various perspectives and I'm sure there's a lot more than that, but I think we have like dip, you know, I have these two different experiences. You have this before conception experience that you're going through now. And I think, I think it'll be valuable to someone. I'm sure.
0: That's a good point. And I think one of the reasons I wanted to come on and go ahead and talk about it is because like you said in the beginning, it's super relevant to my life. I think it's going to be relevant for like the next 10 years of life or so, whatever, however long, who knows? Um, And something that I don't think a lot of women might realize, I think a lot of women in our community know this, um, but I don't think it was a thought for me until a few years ago. And so I wanted to share it just in case there are women out there who are several years away. Preconception can be a journey that's as long as you want it to be. So that's one of the things we wanted to define is like, how long is preconception? When does preconception start? It starts when you decide it starts. So um, I started considering preconception about a year ago, Well, maybe you could say technically two years ago. And that just looked like, we'll talk about all the details, but it can be cleaning up your lifestyle, cleaning up what you consume mentally. It's all kinds of things. It's um a lot of like just entering this protective cave of transitioning from, I mean, I guess you can say, does this sound woo? <laughs> maiden to mother. It's like you do transition out of being a maiden into a mother. And that's not something that happens overnight. It starts when you start thinking about it, preparing for it. So anyway, I think that like uh, a lot of of people go by the standard of two years, a lot of the women in our community, at least two years of preconception of preparing your body, because it's a huge undertaking to bear a child. It is so um, nourishing in so many ways from what I understand. And also on another side of the coin can be kind of depleting if you're not set up well. So you want to store up your nutrients and have a lot of reserves of vitamins and minerals especially minerals it seems like in order to go through and maintain like a healthy mindset and emotional escape and um and then to be able to be set up to go through it again if you want to without having to wait years and trying to recover for a super long time and which it sounds like most people do need to recover for a while which makes total sense and i'm sure you have a lot of things to share on that but i hope that makes sense it's like it starts whenever you decide that it starts so even if you're a teenager listening to this and you know you want to be a mother someday you could go ahead and start implementing some of these things
1: totally i think setting yourself up like that's sort of what preconception is and i mean you know we'll talk about postpartum eventually but it's like you're trying to set yourself up for success and obviously there's all these things that you can't account for and mm. I was just having this conversation with a good friend of mine <clears throat> this last week who, yeah, is like newly married and is thinking about sort of like her timeline and when she would want to have kids. And, you know, I think people have, I think there's, there, it's twofold. It's like, you want to set yourself up as best as you possibly can. And also I think sometimes people like want everything to be perfect. Mm-hmm. And in this, you you know, you have this, Trevor and I talk about this sometimes, not that it's wrong at all, but people have this checklist of like, I want to be here and have this done and do this. This amount of money. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. This amount of money, this house, this whatever it is. And I think like in reality, probably most of those things are maybe not ever gonna be checked off all at once or you know you'll check them off and then you'll add something else that you want uh because that's just how you know that's how I am as a human and it's like oh actually I forgot about this one more thing um so I feel like it's yeah we want to do the best we can and also not be obsessed with perfection and I I I mean, you were saying, saying maiden to mother might be too woo-woo. No, I think, well, first of all, I use that language a lot because I think there is, well, I actually have this tattoo that maybe I'll get removed one day, but it just, it it's like a, the triple goddess symbol. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> it's,
0: uh... <laughs> It sort of
1: it represents like maiden mother crone and like these various mm-hmm. life stages that women go through. And Trevor and I were talking about like maiden energy versus mother energy. And I can't different. even imagine what crone energy is like, but it's like there are these really, in my opinion, like tangible changes that women go through that I think are really cool when you step through these these various, you know, points in life that are initiations into like these new versions of yourself and anyway did you almost say portals I almost (laughs) said portals I absolutely almost said portals um
0: I know you I
1: don't know it's uh, and you know I'll say something here which is that Evan and I were talking a little bit about conscious conception and sort of like what that means for you know Christian women and what that means for women that are not Christian and I think that's something I'm really just kind of figuring out myself I mean i I still like all this language and I still feel pretty good using it. and I'm just curious how that might develop for myself over the next you know, few years. Mm-hmm. Um and if if I might feel differently about any of it, so I'm I, what I'm gonna say today might not be perfect. It's it's not gonna be perfect. And I'm sure it like someone good. might feel on either side of the coin might feel like I'm not speaking correctly about it but this
0: is just yeah it's just where just, i'm you know, lauren you can't possibly speak correctly for everyone listening i'll just tell you right now someone's gonna have a bone to pick um anyway, anyway we just giggle we're kind of going through both of us a lot of changes and i think it's all part of our like made into mother journey and we're at different points in like where we are on that spectrum of maiden mother crone um but it's it's like um nothing's black and white you're not just maiden or not just mother or not just crone like there's a phase in between and anyway um, I think that those words apply perfectly but Lauren and I are going through a lot of changes and sometimes we just giggle our way through as we you know use really old lingo that we used to be steeped in that maybe doesn't feel super relevant anymore but also feels more warm and accurately descriptive than other words so Yeah, I hope that articulates what I mean well. Um, But yeah, I know what you mean. And I think that it is a journey from maiden to mother. So anyway, that's what's going on for me and has been for a long time. I'm in kind of a unique situation where I served in a, a very motherly role to a child for years and also have, you know, been in that role sort of to a lot of other children in different ways. but haven't actually had my own. And so I'm in this weird point where everyone has always referred to me as motherly. Like we, when we talk about those descriptions we often get when we hear from people and they're they're just talking about who we are, that's one I always get. And it's always been this weird thing for me because I'm not quite that yet, but I am stepping into a lot of those roles in life. If that makes sense. Yeah.
1: Totally. Uh, One thing I wanted to say about that was like, it's one of my very few notes that I have was I was speaking to uh, a friend a while ago and she said something about how she feels like before even conception, you're sort of like making space in your family and in your life. I think you had a note about this too, Hmm. but like it's this continuum that starts even before conception of you know you're dreaming of this baby you're thinking of this baby you're you know imagining them who mm. they might be like you know you're taking time out of your your day out of your thoughts you know what i mean it's and it just becomes progressively more and more and more you know while you're pregnant and maybe you're sick it's like there's there's hours of the day quote unquote lost because you're you're sleeping more and anyways i think it's it's not just like there's no time spent being in the motherly space until the baby's born and then you're like a hundred percent and i think there are some women too that even after they have a baby Mm -hmm. they have a hard time transitioning from maiden to mother and they really miss that and then there's some people that you know feel really good about about that transition and just adopt it right away and there's no right or wrong you know
0: and you don't have to lose any of them ever completely sorry
1: Right. No, totally. I I agree with that. And there's there's pieces, you know, that'll still be there. So. So, yeah, I think I definitely think it's this continuum of making space in your life, in your family, in yourself, in your body for this new baby and, and this new phase because of it.
0: I love how like some of the stuff wasn't in our notes. We we wrote down notes and realized they were incredibly long and would be just full episodes for each of us to share if just one of us was talking. So that's why we split it into two. We'll see how many parts it actually ends up being. Um, but yeah, like you said, I think it even starts pretty much at puberty for some women. Like, I, I don't think it's the same story for everyone, but since I was really little, I knew I wanted to have kids. And I know that's not the same for everyone because I have friends who don't feel that way, you know? And um. I almost think it started when I, w- I remember being 12 and laying in my bunk bed and having flashes of this little like two-year-old boy with brown curls and brown eyes and just like imagining him so vividly. And that stuck with me my whole life. And um, I ended up marrying someone who could give me a kid who looks like that. We'll see. <laughs> but I just think that's interesting to note, you know, like it's different for each of us. And um, yeah, that's, I think, where my first glimpse of motherhood started, but okay. So let's look at these notes. I think the first thing after defining what preconception means to us, and do we want to speak more to that? Like it's, it's kind of that whole season we talked about starts whenever you want. It is a conscious decision you make. So like you can call it whatever you want. Mindful preconception, conscious conception. It's just like having and holding awareness over all your decisions and being intentional about the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think preparing your body, mind, soul for conception.
0: For completely changing your whole life. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. And then I I put that one of the first steps I think is, and this is a step that I especially think would would benefit um, women as young as early teens and preteens is just really learning your cycle. I think that's the first place to start. And we can have a whole episode on like, uh, I don't know, can, uh, planning conception and understanding when you're fertile and can conceive, because I think there's still, you know, tons of confusion out there. I didn't know until I was an adult woman, how all of that worked. And uh, I think yeah. many of us have had a journey with birth control and are curious about the ins and outs of, do we need that? Why do we need that? Like we've told different things from different doctors and family members And so maybe we can have an episode on all of our thoughts on that. But yeah, learning your cycle so you can understand there are only a few days of each month that you can conceive. And so you can plan your whole intimate life around that. And you did that, right, with Bloom?
1: Yeah. Yeah. From, yeah, after Jasper was born until we decided to conceive Bloom, we did natural family planning.
0: And it worked perfectly for you, right? Like you- you decided to have bloom that time, right?
1: (laughs) Yes, yes, yeah, (laughs) yeah, we, yeah, it worked well and I, there, when you're breastfeeding, there's, I think more room for error because you're not able to, like I wasn't able to get, I wasn't doing any basal body temp because my, it was just really inconsistent with, you really need to be sleeping for like, I think it's three or four hours solid before you wake up in the morning to before you take your temperature mm-hmm. um, tangent. But anyways, so it was just using some of the other signs of around, you know, around when you're, when you can conceive itself. And I think, you know, there is more room for error, but we weren't like, oh, we cannot have another baby. So it wasn't, it wasn't like we were being very, very strict with it. But yes, it, from when I got my cycle back actually before that, because breastfeeding exclusively breastfeeding with no bottle, no pacifier is about as effective as birth control for the first six months of your baby's life. So, yeah. So, but that's if, yeah, you're feeding around, around the clock, no, you know, sleep training, no bottle, no pacifier. Uh, so for six months, yeah. I I didn't didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense though. Yeah, totally. And then, and then after that, you know, you can get pregnant on your first ovulation, which would be before your first period. Uh, I got my cycle back eight months postpartum with Jasper and I still don't have my cycle back at 16 months postpartum with Bloom. So yeah, around that six month mark is when we started to, you know, be more aware.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. That makes yeah, sense and I think. Oh. Go ahead. No, it's okay.
1: Um, I but what you said about being a teenager, yeah, I was put on birth control for I can I can talk about my PCOS and endometriosis and stuff in another episode, which are really labels I don't particularly identify with at this point in my life, but I was put on hormonal birth control really young just to to manage that and the pain that mm-hmm. I was having for, for for that so it wasn't even like I grew up in a very christian household it was certainly not for me to be <laughs> preventing pregnancy mm-hmm. and you know we have there's a lot of reasons why women, teenage when teenage girls get put on birth control and i think yeah that's something i'm super excited to have a daughter about yes, because too. it's it'll be so cool to like initiate her and to be able to pass on like things that I didn't know. And I have no like blame towards my mom or anything about it. It's just the culture. It's not, it's not common to know these right. things. And I think my mom actually does know a pretty decent amount about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, But I don't think it's talked about super much, like a lot um, as teens. And I think, yeah, it's great. It's great to learn at that point. And I, there's a book that I liked when I was kind of coming out of that and just really fresh it's called taking charge of your fertility Mm -hmm. yeah it's such a good place to start and I ended up working with a you know a functional medicine nutritionist because I wasn't ovulating and I was a long-term vegan at that point so it's a whole separate story (laughs) but yeah there's been a lot of renditions of my cycle and getting to know it at each point, I think is really important. And yeah, you can only get pregnant. I think it's around like seven seven days a month because it's like five days before ovulation and then up to two after kind of so that week.
0: I think it's pretty generous. It's like you probably yeah. won't be able to get pregnant those full seven days. Yeah. And I don't know if I should say this, but um, as far as fertility awareness goes, I've um, been doing like the lazy way, which is not taking my, my body temperature in the morning. Also, we're not like if we got pregnant, it would be a blessing, except for, I mean, it would be a blessing entirely, but we are trying to heal some mold markers before, hopefully. And if not, it'll be fine. But um, we do have some of those goals and I'll go into that. But I've been doing this semi-lazy way, which is not taking my temperature and just witnessing the other markers that there are, which there's like your cervical mucus, there's how you feel, there's um your your mood as it changes around your cycle and bodies symptoms that really aren't ideal but like if your breasts are tender that tells you something like these are all different things you can learn to watch and be aware of and if y'all want we can do a whole episode just like educating on the basics of all of this and going through the details and like helping create a system I think that'd be really cool to do for teens like I've imagined being a mentor for a group of teens before and that would definitely be something I'd want to impart to them I'm excited about having a daughter too hopefully one day to just pass on an intimate knowing relationship with your body that doesn't force you to rely on systems and outsiders. Like you can really just do this yourself. Yeah. It's so cool and powerful to experience that for the first time. Totally. Yeah. Okay. So that's one. Should we move on to the next? Okay. So then I wrote a note about what testing I would want to do and um, like we said, my preconception is a few years long, but you could do this. I think I'll do these tests, um, uh, maybe like six months ish before I'm planning to just conceive, like let it happen. <laughs> and, um, I'm not going to be someone who's like, okay, I want it to be this point in my ovulation. So it's this temperature and creates a boy or a girl. I'm not going to try to control it to that level, but I'm just going to be like, okay, rains are off. It happens in the next few months. Wonderful. Um, but some testing I would want to do is I want to test my vitamin D and that's partially because of the role it plays in mood and um, just general strength and vigor and vitality. And I want my levels to be good before I conceive. I have tested mine before in the past and I generally convert pretty well and do okay. So it's not super critical for me, but I wanted to put that out there because I think so many people are deficient. And if you learn that you are and you can um, put an emphasis on spending some time outside and soaking it up intentionally. There's like apps you can use to tell you when you should go and how long you need to go to get how many IUs of vitamin D. Super helpful, super cool. Um, insulin. And I think you might have something to say about this too, because we both deal with some like blood sugar issues and just trying to manage that. I think our ancestry plays into it. I don't think either of our ancestors were like cramming donuts down their faces or anything like that. And we don't either, <laughs> but it's just such a sensitive balance. And I want to make sure that that's sort of in check. Do you have any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah. If you have blood sugar issues before pregnancy, it's most likely that they're going to come up more in pregnancy. Uh, I didn't have any, uh, you know, that I know of in either of my pregnancies, but I certainly have them. Uh, and I was actually just looking at a girl's Instagram who I followed and I <clears throat> I didn't follow her. She came back up for me and I was looking at her stuff. She's having a free birth. I think this is her fourth baby. This time, this will be her first free birth. And she was talking about how each time she's had, um, yeah, blood sugar issues. And even with, you know, free birthing, that's something she's still being really mindful of. So I just want to say like, even if you're really going outside the system, it's really easy to just take these, take pieces that feel important to you. Like you said, vitamin D or, blood sugar it's like you can you can totally do those yourself some of them yeah. you know or yeah. work with a really you know supportive naturopath provider. or so, something yeah. exactly so so for blood sugar blood glucose you can totally just get a a monitor you can it's pretty there's pretty standard ranges that you want to stay within and there's pretty easy you know it's pretty easy to play with your blood sugar and be like okay well this is clearly affecting me this is again this is something we could probably do a whole episode on uh, because yeah it's something i've been diving a little bit deeper into the past few months but i think yeah monitoring blood glucose during pregnancy is probably pretty helpful for for most people or even preconception just getting a baseline seeing where you're typically at seeing if there's things that you want to adjust prior to conception I I think that's probably the best time to do it because otherwise you're going to be getting these values and be like oh am I is this you know pre because I'm pregnant am I having blood sugar issues because I'm pregnant was this happening before is this high for me is this low for me you will yeah getting a baseline probably probably before conception is
0: yeah like six months seems like a good point to like get a picture of everything so you have some time to make adjustments but it's not so long that you don't think they're valid anymore I think the fasting insulin is the test that I would recommend. There's a bunch of different options out there. Uh, and part of that is also like you want to manage your blood, uh, your blood sugar, because y- that will help you have a, a more even keel control over your moods. I think that having your blood sugar go up and down and not understanding that that's what's happening can create all sorts of emotional ups and downs. Also, yeah, so
1: what would you say?
0: I said, I also think it might help with nausea. Like for me, I think it would oh, yeah. based on my understanding of my own body.
1: I, I hope so. <laughs> um,
0: get, yeah, I?
1: Getting an A1, yeah, getting an A1C mm-hmm. is, uh, six is months prior is probably a great way to start. And then you could start monitoring because an A1C tells you your average blood sugar essentially over the past three months. So, so cool. you can. that's actually what I did, not in, um, because I'm planning to conceive very soon, but – I I got that and now I've been I'm actually not doing it so much anymore because I have a really good idea just based on how I feel and seeing the numbers now I'm like oh I know what range I'm probably in but yeah so you could kind of get that as a baseline and that will also you like if you're getting close to pre-diabetes if you're getting close to diabetes and just for reference I was pretty close to the pre-diabetic and you guys know how I eat so a lot of it is based around other things I mean it could be you know for me it could be connected to PCOS insulin it's I'm definitely insulin resistant so there's some pieces there that I'm working through and again it doesn't have to be like this end of the world thing there's Mm -hmm. really easy ways to just kind of keep it in check even if you're you know not gonna give yourself five years to heal every hormone oh gosh that's not
0: realistic I guess you know like there's part of me that has a tendency towards that. and the rest of me is just like, you no, know, give me a baby now. It's gonna be fine. I look back at my childhood and my parents did the best they could. and, you know, the the world was just getting crazier and food was getting weirder. And um, I ate so much junk growing up, and I'm overall fine. So I think with how how we live, you know, they're gonna be okay. So yeah, don't get too stressed. Um, and then I, I'm gonna look at my cortisol, and these are all kind of personal choices. Like you test, what's going on for you. These are things that I think it would be helpful for women to generally have their eye on Mm -hmm. and to not obsess over, but just if you want some insights into how to optimize how you feel during pregnancy. So I'm going to look at my cortisol because I think I'm having some cortisol response issues and yes, insulin resistance, estrogen dominance, kind of a picture right now. And mold is, you know, it's very commonly causes that. So and then you could test your LSH, your like luteinizing hormone and to check on your ovulation. I hmm, I think I'm just going to start trying first before I would look at that. But if you have had issues with anything like, yeah, endometriosis, PCOS, and you want to look at that, you can. And then thyroid, which I um, think based on everything I've read, and obviously I haven't been pregnant yet, but I have thyroid, some some issues I work on. And it runs in my family pretty commonly too. And so many women today, with like all the environmental toxins and everything, end up having thyroid problems at some point in their lives. It's just extremely common. I think it'd be helpful to look at those ranges. So you want to look at like your reverse T3, your TSH, but not just your T's. TSH. If a doctor just tests that, you're not going to get a good picture your antibodies. So that looks like TPO and um, thyroglobulin. I'm going on memory here. And um, I say T4 and free T3. So anyway, um, those are good ones. If you want to rewind that and write those down. Um, There are tests that have most of those together, but you usually have to piece them together. So it's funny you said A1C. I put that in my cart yesterday. I order my own testing. I'm kind of like my own naturopath in a lot of ways I go see one sometimes too Lauren's actually we share one she like recently recommended me to her and um you can order your own so if you want to control what you're looking at if you want to keep an eye on it as much as you want you don't have to go through a doctor and there are plenty of websites I think Ulta Labs is a good one and I've been using them yeah um there's something else I was thinking about but we could move on to the next thing Yeah. I wanted to
1: say about the the tests. I just got basically all the ones that you said done for other reasons, not preconception, but if I, if I do more, yeah, I'll totally just order them myself. I think there's, yeah, there's a time and a place to have someone help you interpret, like Mm -hmm. you said, and maybe help you formulate a plan. And then like my dad was telling me, he was like, you should get an ApoB, you know, like, you can, you can totally just pick and choose and piece things together too. And then call and help like when you need to. So I think that's, yeah, cool. And uh, I guess this is kind of moving on, but we're both in, yeah, in a mold, in a mold world right now where we're kind of working through mold. I think that brings us to, you know, detox, I guess. And again, buzzword, (laughs) but, uh, but Yeah, there's maybe there's certain circumstances which in which you would want to, you know, clear certain things out of your system before calling, you know, in a baby, maybe, you know. And I think when you have, you know, circumstances like we've had recently where we both lived in, in homes that we know for a fact were infested with mold and we both have received mold testing now and we both know we have things to work on there. For me, it's not going to be like my tests need to show that I'm a hundred percent healed of all mold, but I do want to at least be working on it to lessen you Burn. know, the burden that's going to be in my body and, and, and on the baby essentially.
0: Right. Cause like, for instance, the mycotoxins we're speaking to, they cross the placenta and will affect the baby. So, um, and I wanted to say at some point in this episode, and I'll probably bring it up in the next, just what you were saying, it, mine does not need to be perfect either. I think that's really unrealistic and stressful. And I wanted to speak to how seeing numbers on a test result, you know, know thyself. Like if that's something that you are going to hold on to as concrete and you're going to be stressed about and not able to imagine healing for yourself and have like hold it with an open hand, then I wouldn't recommend doing a bunch of testing. Because the more stress you have, like stress is gonna probably hurt you worse than those numbers. (laughs) So um, that's something I make sure I worked on with my mindset before I do any test is, can I handle seeing a less than optimal result, and understand that that's ever shifting and that I have a role to play and that epigenetics are real and we have so much control. Like we can be having a really empowered experience of this or we can let it spiral us into madness. <laughs> so know thyself. If you're not in a place to look at those results, don't order it until you are. You know, until your life is supportive and nourished and calm. Um. Yeah, that's really important. Um, and I totally. To listen- and I
1: feel like I'm in diff- a different place with that at different times. Yes. You know, like there's sometimes when I when I got my mold results, I was like. <laughs> I felt so unattached to it and really I already knew what the results were going to be pretty much I I thought I knew so it wasn't surprising to me I didn't feel upset about it but for me like I know when I'm pregnant I'm not gonna do any of that you know I I I go into such this protective little cave I don't even listen to birth stories when I'm pregnant oh yeah I'm not now (laughs) yeah so and and I think there's like I like listening to birth stories and I, I especially before before Jasper, I and I wasn't even trying to conceive Jasper. I was so interested in them, and I think they totally have a place. And I actually just listened to one the other day, even though it's not because it was someone I I like listening to. But when I'm pregnant, I'm I'm just absolutely not interested in taking protective any... bubble. Yes, uh, even if someone's like it's a positive story, I'm like no, I'll probably pick out the one thing in it that I didn't see as ideal, and then I'll think about it. So it's this, yeah, it's totally a protective bubble, but. Yeah. Same thing with test results. It's if you feel like you're going to attach to them and start, I don't know, making your identity around it or being really yeah. scared and terrified and stressed out, don't do it.
0: Yeah. And like with a naturopath. So for instance, I usually order my own and then if I need help interpreting, then I hire someone to help me. Um, I have experience with some of these things. And after you go through the ropes once and have someone help you with that test one time, you generally can kind of interpret it right. yourself. Um but yeah, if you go and get help, especially from a doctor, even a functional doctor, they may give you a diagnosis based on that test. And I think it's only helpful if you have a, a full understanding that diagnoses are not permanent. Like you, if you have endometriosis or PCOS, that is not a life sentence. If you have, I mean, even diabetes can be healed. And mm-hmm. the, this might be frustrating to hear if you're dealing with something. And I understand because I'm dealing with Hashimoto's, which I've talked about but I know it can be healed. I don't know if I'll get to, I'm planning on it, (laughs) hoping to, Um, but just knowing and reading, like I choose to read stories of people who have healed their illness. um, And to know that like a PCOS diagnosis is based on a factor that's happening in your body currently that can be totally adjusted with diet. I know tons of people have healed their PCOS with diet and there's a helpful book on that called the women's code. I think I'm trying to remember. Um, maybe I can put that in the notes, but yeah. So yeah. Understanding, like if you go somewhere there, they might tell you something you don't want to hear and it's best not to identify with that thing. Um, yeah, that's basically what I wanted to say in a nutshell is it's okay that things are not perfect because they never will be. So try to go into this with like a fun mindset of, wow, I get to optimize and nest and create the best possible scenario for myself and my baby and my family. And I'm going to do as much as I can and let it be a nourishing, joyful process and cut the fat of the super stressful parts of like the attachment to perfection. If you need to do like something like the 80-20 rule, that's fine. You know, I like to create a list of hard no's for myself during healing periods. And those are generally at this point in my life, really easy for me to let go of. But if you have something that's really stressful for you to, to (laughs) to leave out, uh, Lauren, show me a note. <laughs> if you have something that's really stressful for you to leave out, like right now it's recommended. <laughs> I'll just be personal about it and honest. It's recommended for me right now, just temporarily by, you know, tons of people. And there's tons of different recommendations out there to cut out so many foods just to reduce inflammation. Uh, do AI- AIP, do AIP. And I've done AI- AIP and like all sorts of other healing inflammation-reducing diets before and healing periods when I have a goal. Um, but <laughs> when you have 80 chickens and you just got a dairy cow uh, and you have like the best possible registered A2A2 milk, raw, fresh, just squeeze it out of the teat yourself. I'm like, how could this be bad for me? And also my, my diet list is already so narrowed down. It feels... I think more stressful for me to cut out milk right now than it would be to um, drink it, even if it's kind of hard on my body at this point in time. So there's those things that are personal decisions. And that's just something I let go of the stress of, because I think that I really believe stress is um, like the biggest component. Okay. So Lauren showed me the note. We have gone through so sorry those, you don't want me to say that. Um, <laughs> letting me know, like we're just we were trying to choose a point where we decided to organically choose a point in this podcast to split it up because our notes were so long and we knew that we had a lot of feelings and thoughts about this stuff. So, right now we're going to wrap up, do Hilo buffalo and closing prayer, and then we will share a part two very soon. We have a lot more notes left, so if you want to come back, we're going to talk about. How we actually physically prepare our bodies and our minds, and um, a bunch of fun details and ideas for you. So listen to that one next week. You got a high low buffalo?
1: Okay, I got it. I'm. I think I got it. Okay, my. <laughs> I can go. <laughs> it's, always, it's always so hard for me to to think back. I literally looked at all my pictures from this past year. I'm like, what did I do? <laughs> uh, okay, my high was Jasper's birthday party and Jasper's birthday. He turned four, which is crazy. Like he's just there's no more toddler left at four. Like they're fully a small child, which is crazy. <laughs> you did a great uh, job with everything. Thank you. It was fun and I baked my first cake and it went really well. And yeah, it was just great. It was super fun. And then my low, it's really hard for me to pick a low because I I feel like, yeah, this week has been mostly yeah, good. Trevor did a day yesterday where he left the house at 8 and then didn't get home till like nine thirty. so that was it wasn't a it really is like it's hard like I said it's hard to pick a low because it wasn't horrible or anything but it was hard for the kids not to see him they're not used to that and I'm not used to that by about four o'clock I was like mm, I think I'm ready for this to be done now and then from <laughs> four to seven it felt like 10 years <laughs> um but it was fine and we had we actually had a good day we went out and it was it was good, and this is just a season where he's going to be working more, so it's good. And then my buffalo is that I booked a trip to California by myself with the kid with my kid. on a whim.
0: This is unlike her.
1: It's so unlike me. I'm such a planner. I I don't do things on a whim. I study and make sure that everything is right before I do anything. So, but I had been I'd been thinking about it and. With Trevor doing all this crazy working, we were like, this is the time. I need to go. Um, it'll be so nice for the kids. And anyway, so I booked a, actually a pretty long trip, a nine-day trip. It's very long. Uh, and I think when you're hearing this, I'll be there. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'll be there when you're hearing this episode. So I am excited and very nervous, but I think it's going to be fun. It will be. How about yeah. you?
0: Absolutely will be. All mine relate to cows this week. <laughs> there was so much cow town going on here. So, hi, we brought home our very first family dairy cow. Her name is Josephine. She is a registered Guernsey. She's about eight years old, and we believe she's bred to a Jersey bull. And we're very excited. There's a huge learning curve with milking. Uh, well th- yeah for hand milking using the machine there's a bit of a learning curve too and then just there's all these things that you don't experience until you do it of getting this cow used to you um, wondering if there will be unexpected behavior from this animal that's completely huge and um, trying to bond with her making sure she's comfortable at the new house there's all these factors involved so that's been kind of taking up a lot of my brain space and heart space and it's been really wonderful. It's like a lifelong dream fulfilled. And then I get to have fresh, warm milk for everybody. And um, I'm going to make butter with it for the first time today. I've made butter before, but not from my own cow. So I'm very excited. Um, and then, hello, Buttercup, our calf. She's like an older calf. I guess she's like the equivalent of a 12 year old human. Um, but she, <laughs> laughing at that. She uh, got her head stuck in our fence the day after we got, no, it was the day that we brought Josephine home. So that was cool in one way where it it led to Josephine bonding with her and comforting her, which was incredibly sweet to watch uh, because Josephine was kind of like not super interested in them at first (laughs) and they were so interested in her. Anyway, she got her head stuck in there so bad and I couldn't get her out. Mason wasn't here. And, um, I, my mother-in-law was here though, thankfully trying to help me, but we were about to break our fingers on the fence because of how she was bucking and shoving her head to the gate. And anyway, uh, I ended up calling the fire department and the neighbor and just seeing if anyone had anything I could cut the metal with, that would be safe. And, um, we got her out. Eventually my neighbor came over and kind of manhandled her. And it was a little hard to watch at first, but he did such a good job. Like he was so calm and he just did what was needed to be done. So anyway, I got to send him home with milk for a calf whose mother just died and that felt really great. But um, that was the low, I guess. And then my buffalo, it's not that interesting, I guess, but Ludo, our he's kind of a calf too. He's our bull. He's really young and he's never shown any interest in a cow in front of me because Buttercup is a little baby. And we brought Josephine home and she's probably at least double his size, if not a little bit bigger. It's crazy he's a tiny cow and she goes up to my shoulder. He started uh, yodeling and chasing her and hump. he tried to hump her. <laughs> it's just crazy. It's like, wow, little man, you're bold. And she was not having it. And they started kind of butting heads and stuff, but she, she doesn't have horns and he does. So we ended up separating him to the paddock right next door. And now they sniff each other's faces through the fence and it's really cute, but He's obsessed. He's like thinking about her. I can feel him thinking about her and he makes these weird noises. So anyway, one day they will probably make babies and that's really going to be interesting to see that little man's baby and that big cow. Yeah. Okay, so that was Highland Buffalo. It's closing prayer. Anything else you want to say? No. Okay. Heavenly Father, we come to you today super grateful for... Um, productive weeks, new experiences, new skills that we're learning. We're each trying to um, take on new abilities and you've been a part of every step. We thank you for everyone listening and we pray that you'd bless their weeks and their journeys with whatever skills they're trying to learn. We ask that you would provide us all with fortitude to handle everything that's in front of us. I think we all have a lot going on. And we pray that it's just a generally fruitful spring. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: Amen. Thank you guys for being here.
0: See you next week. See ya. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I hope that it's brought value into your lives. For a minute here, I'm gonna share about some things that I brought value into our lives. We've chosen just a couple of sponsors this season and these are companies that we trust that we use in our daily lives and that we feel confident about bringing to you the first company is purity coffee now i love this coffee and there are a couple of things that set it apart the first is how they test their coffee for mold as many of us know as coffee is processed it often molds and so this is an important part of the process if you listen to the podcast you know that lauren and i have both gone through extensive journeys with mold And so because this is a staple for my family, it's very important that when I sit down for a cup of coffee, I know it's not a steaming hot cup of mold. I've never found another coffee company that's more forthcoming or honest about this process. The second thing is the taste. Their beans are not over-roasted, which I find to be super rare. They retain their flavor and complexity, and I just really appreciate that. It makes it a really enjoyable part of my day. Now we thought if there's anyone who can get down with animal fat in their skincare, it's probably our audience. So we're gonna share Perma Earth with you. This company uses grass-fed tallow and pastured lard from small fir- farms doing things the right way to create a wide range of skincare products, everything from lip balm to face masks to soap to deodorant. These are products that you can pick up the bottle, read the ingredients list, and completely understand what's happening in just a few seconds, which we really love. They're nourishing, full of vitamins and minerals from these healthy animals, and very versatile. My favorite right now has been the SPF. It's the most simple I've ever found. It's just tallow, vitamin E, and non-nano zinc oxide. It doesn't get any simpler. We hope you check them out. So we're going to link both of these companies below and some of the companies that we also work with outside of sponsoring the podcast and link every discount code that we have. These are all companies we trust. We hope that you give them a try and we want to hear what you think of them. Thank you again for listening. I hope you have a blessed week.